Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. Well, good morning. Uh, My name is Heath. I'm the lead pastor here. And last week, I wasn't sleeping in. Um, Wasn't on vacation. I was actually preaching at um, a friend of mine. He was here a couple weeks ago, Lucas Granger, um, pastors, uh, Coastal Church in Supply. I'm actually on their board. Uh, So he's on sabbatical right now. So I was filling in for um, him. So that's where I was last Sunday, just in case you're like, where he at? That's where I was at. I want you all to be informed. Um, So... I think today uh, has the potential to be a little stinging, maybe a little painful. So I'll, I like to pre-warn people, not so that you can run away, but just so you prepare yourself. Uh, never, ever will I present anything to you that doesn't come with a greater measure of hope than the pain that it gives you. Okay? Um, <laughs> got everybody intrigued right now. Okay. Our relationship... With God is never, hear me, never stagnant. I'm not saying it can't be stagnant, but there is no middle in our relationship with God. Our relationship is either dying or growing. It's the same thing, not only with God, your relationship with your wife or spouse is never stagnant. It is either dying or growing. Your relationship, which I'm going to talk about fitness today, I know, (laughs) Um, with fitness is never stagnant. You're either going one direction or the other. That belt, (laughs) you know, button or whatever, that little ring on your belt is going one direction or the other. It's easy for us to settle into a coasting mindset. That's probably the easiest. I say this a lot when I'm talking about our relationship with other people and why we need other people in our life speaking into our life. I think our natural is neutral. Our natural, what we want to do if we're just left to ourselves, almost always, I know if you're like that one percenter, you're like, not me, not me. Most of everyone else, our natural is to go to neutral, just to sit there and coast, you know, hopefully down the hill and not, you know, going in the direction you want instead of going backwards. Uh, Maybe things aren't that bad with your relationship with Jesus right now. Perhaps they're pretty good. Uh, You can be, or this can be one of the most, in my opinion, dangerous places to be. You're like, oh, having a, a good relationship with God is dangerous? can be it can be our most dangerous place for faith because when it's good it's easy for us not to work towards it same thing with your relationship with your spouse if if things aren't that bad that's probably a very dangerous place for it to be because it's really easy for you to take for granted that person it's the same thing with god if if you know i don't know about you but like when when life hits you in the face you're either running away from god or to god And so a lot of times when pressure comes, that's the most growth-filled season of our lives. But when pressure isn't there, it's real easy to be like, ah, I don't, you know, I'm okay. Um, I have a Peloton, which is, I have a bike, uh, and there's this one um, 
guy that leads one of the things he always says, like if you're pedaling up a hill, um, if you stop pedaling when you're going up a hill, what do you do? You go backwards. So the sad part about today is that what I'm going to talk about never ends. There's never an end to it. And I want to talk about an idea that's pretty foreign to most of us. And again, if it's not foreign to you, like, it's okay. Just think about the other people. The foreign idea is that if you are a child of God, which is the disclaimer... If you are a child of God, you are called to be holy. And not just any holy. You are called to be holy like our Father in heaven. You are called to be holy because, and this is really important, because of your relationship to God, not for your relationship to God. You're, you're, you're pursuing holiness because you have a relationship with God. You're not pursuing holiness because you want a relationship with God. That's the beginning of it. You, you can't go like, God, I want to be something that I cannot do by myself without you. So here's the problem that stops most people. There's no finish line. There's no arrival. There's no place. There's no coasting. There's no stagnant. There's no place that you get to that you're like, I'm there. And I think part of the problem with our Christian culture is that we get better. And we take better instead of holiness. We take this idea of like, man, and some of you in this room, compared to what you were before, are awesome. I just want to, I want to, I want to applaud you. You're awesome. The person you were before Jesus is night and day, but I want to tell you that it's not over. There's no arrival. There's no place that you can be like, man, I'm good enough, because good enough is going to ruin you from what God is calling you to be. Just like every other discipline, to progress, you cannot stop. Let's think in the natural. If you want to get in shape, what do you do? I'm going to get real simple. This is like farming that I talked about. What do you do? If you want to get in shape, you work out and you eat better. That's as simple as it can be. And how do you stay in shape? You keep doing it. Uh, I'm in the middle, or not in the middle, I'm, I'm past the middle. I'm doing this thing called 75 Hard. Uh, there's uh, several of us in this room that are, are in different phases of it, uh, a couple weeks to a couple of days. Uh, and 75 Hard is this 75-day um, challenge uh, where you commit to um, doing two 45-minute workouts a day. One of them has to be outside. Uh, they have to be two to three hours apart from each other, so you can't go out and knock out an hour and a half of workout and be like, done. You have to drink a gallon of water a day. You have to pick a uh, meal plan, a eating plan of your choice. But whatever you pick, to pick, you have to stick with. So if you d- decide to do something, you have to stick with it. Unless you decide to go really low calories and that is detrimental to your health and you need to change that, you can change it a little bit. Okay. But you can't just eat you know, really good 80% of the time and eat garbage 20% and feel like, man, I'm doing it. 
You have to read 10 pages of a nonfiction book every day. Uh, and nonfiction book, <laughs> disclaimer, includes your Bible. <laughs> yeah. I get three pages of my 10 every day in my one-year Bible. Um, you have to um, take a picture of yourself, which I will not show any of you. <laughs> um, and, um, and, and no alcohol for 75 days. That, that's the challenge. And the challenge is that if you fail to do any of those things in any one 24-hour period, you start over. There's no grace. There's no mercy. It's not like Jesus. So Jesus is better than 75 hard, for sure. But the whole idea of it is to get you in a place that you're, 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 you're challenging yourself mentally. Because really that's what he called The guy who started this, he calls it a mental toughness challenge. Uh, it is, you know, associated fitness and you're, you'll get healthier. And this is, I'm not preaching about 75 hard, okay? It's, I'm using this as an illustration. I, I shy away from talking about some things that I do because I, I feel like, it becomes more important than the other, and it's not. But I will say that through this, I've been reading a ton of books, which is awesome, um, listening to a ton of things. And here, here's a theme that I, I get. I was actually on a walk the other day, and I was listening to uh, a book on marriage, and it was the same idea. This, the dangerous idea of having a good marriage is that you'll stop working at it. Uh, and then it made me started thinking about fitness. So I was like, what happens after 75 hard? Because just to be completely honest, I'm typically, I mean, I'm, I usually stay in the realm of working out, but uh, it's a roller coaster for me. I'm all over the place. All over the place. I'm on day 49 right now. I will finish 75 days. Lord willing. <laughs> Lord willing. He'd be like, oh, yeah, you're sick for three days. Um, uh, I will be out there crawling on the field. Um, but I was thinking through these things, well, what about when it ends? <laughs> and, it, and it's like the Holy Spirit just, you know, and I'm, I'm planning, I told y'all two weeks ago, so this isn't even me cheating and like I've decided to preach this. I told y'all two weeks ago I was going to preach on First Peter, and I am, on holiness. And I felt like the Holy Spirit just in that moment was going, that's right. It doesn't end. If you want it, and you want me, it is not something that you get to do some of the time. It's not something that you get to live in this, you know, these two worlds. It's something that you decide that I value you enough to do the thing. And I'm just telling you, fitness has no, okay, some people aren't going to like this. In my opinion, fitness has no eternal value. How fit I am, how fit you are. Is it going to get you in or out of heaven? Hear me. Some be like, oh, I got to do 75 hard and I want to pursue Jesus. No. Now, I think physical fitness has done to my sanity and to my well-being and to my thought life has done amazing things, which goes into my spiritual life. But I will spend a lot of crazy time, and my wife can attest to this, thinking about things that really have no lasting value. Now, I may hang around longer if I'm healthier. But, like, it's not helping my spiritual life if it's not connected to something deeper than that. And so, unlike getting in shape, um, holiness isn't a good idea. It's something that your Heavenly Father has called you to. Again, if you're a child of God. If you're not, then uh, you can get join the team pretty easy. 
Um, and then you get this same call uh, that we do. And before I even get into this, I just want to tell you, your pursuit of holiness is your pursuit of happiness. Hear me. Almost all of the stress and strain that you have right now is an area of your life that you've pursued something other than holiness. And it's called pain. Because let me just tell you a truth that we, won't, we don't like. Sin hurts us. All of it. And holiness is just God calling his children to live in a way that's going to benefit you. And I'm like, I'm in this mindset right now with 75 hard that like I see some benefits. I have lost some weight. And I'm like, yes, I'm really motivated. Like our spiritual life has to be that same thing that we know that the thing that comes from it is greater than the sacrifice of our time and our changing of habits and saying no to things. Because really holiness comes down to saying yes to some things and no to some things. Let's pray. Do you have me, Father? Lord, my, um, my words aren't going to make anybody holy. But your word will compel us to pursue something that you've called us to. And that's what I ask right now in Jesus' name, that you would compel us, that you would open our eyes and our hearts to understand what holiness will give us. And it will give us something that will last well past this light and momentary vapor of life that we live here now. But holiness is leading us to eternity. So, Lord, will you, will you change our hearts to be willing to pursue you? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we're back in 1 Peter. I, I preached on 1 Peter chapter 5 a couple weeks ago. Um, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1 today. Um, just to kind of remind you, uh, all of these you know, books in our Bible after the Gospels and after Acts are letters to churches. They're like, if I, you know, they're, they're the email of that day. And, and, uh, Paul's checking on his church. He's seeing how they are. And, and, and first Peter was written uh, to the churches in Asia Minor, which is modern day Turkey. And they were struggling under the abuse of the culture that they were in. I mean, it was painful. There was a cost to following Jesus. And this letter was to encourage and build the church. And so before we get into holiness, um, you have to talk about the, the step one. Because holiness isn't something that we can pursue, isn't something that we have even access to achieve without step number one, which is the beginning of um, chapter one, which I, I, I'm not going to do. So verse, I'm going to read a couple of verses at the beginning, but this whole first section, before we get into verse 13, which is where we're going to start in just a second, where it talks about a call to holiness is a pointing out of what salvation is. Listen to this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He has caused... <laughs> Remember, salvation is not your work. It's his work. You're like, what does that mean? 
That's a, that's a deep end. I'll kind of talk about it a little bit, but I don't have time to really get it. But it's his work. He calls us into him. Verse 4, it says, to an inheritance, this is good, that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So the first section of First Peter lays out salvation, which is justification. How do you become right before a holy and pure God? Trusting in the finished, complete work of Jesus alone. It is a free gift given to you, not earned nor deserved. I think sometimes we talk about, and we do a fairly good job Quotation. Fairly good job talking about salvation, talking about justification. I don't think we do quite as good a job, and they'll talk about it quite as much, even though I have talked about it a fair amount here lately, of this other one, which is sanctification. Us becoming like Jesus. Which if you're alive and breathing and in this room, he's not done. Take a breath. Just remind yourself, he's not done. He's not. So 1 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 13. It's titled, A Call to Be Holy. It says, therefore, because <laughs> if we're going to be holy, we've got to start somewhere. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and, and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What do you have to do before an action happens? You have to think about it. And I know some of our responses are so natural that you don't think you're thinking about it, but you're, you have, your, your body won't do anything. I about smacked myself in the face, but I realized I got a microphone. Thinking like, oh, but I had to think about the action before it happens. And it's the same. Paul's saying, hey guys, if we're going to go somewhere, we got to start here. We gotta start in the way we think. We gotta be sober minded. Sober minded is having a mind that is not under the control of a dangerous outside force. Some of that is ideology, some of that is philosophy, some of it is liquid, some of it is an appeal form. We have to, and let me just tell you, I, I, I'm not, I'm not against alcohol. I don't think some might not, might not like this. I don't think alcohol is the devil. It may be the devil for you though. And I think there's probably people in this room um, that misuse alcohol. And I'm just tell you, part of the step to holiness is getting rid of that thing. I'm going to talk about other things, so don't just feel bad that I'm getting alcohol if you're like, I like my... And I'm not sorry, if you have a glass of wine, I am not against... Hear me, like, don't get home and be like, Pastor said, pour it out. This is the liquid of Satan. I'm just saying it may be for you. And I think that powerful force called the Holy Spirit living inside of you will determine whether it is or isn't. Verse 14. As obedient children, 
Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. What do children, okay, in an ideal world, what are children, what are, what do good children do? They obey. Parents, hardest work you will ever do. Hardest work you will ever do. Because I don't know if you know this, but for all those who don't believe in original sin, I feel like you've not had children. From the beginning, my children were like, test me. I ain't, I ain't doing that. <laughs> it is a call. And let me just tell you, parents, have faith and hope because, listen to me, listen to me. Phase one of your children understanding and knowing God's authority is you operating in a good measure of authority to them. You're their first phase of understanding what does it mean to be submitted and surrendered to someone else. Man, I know, I know. Read it again. As obedient children, I feel like the teleprompter. That wasn't really meant to be said out loud. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm saying. Okay. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former life. Okay, listen to this. You were not born obedient. You learn it. You were not born holy. You were not born ready or able to do this. You learn it. Verse 15. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. Okay, I'm about to throw a word out there. In all your conduct. I'm not a Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic scholar, but all usually means all. But like, no, 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 not, not this one, not that one. Yeah, all of it. All of it. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Okay. See, this was a direct, if, if you want to deep dive, this is a direct quote from Leviticus 11.44 and Leviticus 19.2. There's another paste that it's in. But in Leviticus, Leviticus 19, literally, he gives you this call and then he tells you things that you should do. God applies the Ten Commandments to various areas of our life, spelling out in great deal, detail for the Israelites how to be holy as he is holy. They were to honor their parents, keep the Sabbath, not practice idolatry, worship and offer sacrifices properly according to God's instructions, provide for the poor, not steal, cheat, or seek revenge, and not follow pagan, pagan customs and rituals. The commands continue um, <clears throat> covering every aspect of our spiritual, moral, family, and work, and community life, including a charge to love your neighbor as yourself. Holiness means to be set apart, to be separate, to be different, to be dedicated, to literally be set apart for the service of God. God is as different and set apart from us than anything that exists in our world. Because there's no deviation in him. There's no, there's no 
lack of holiness. There, there's no like momentary lapse in it either. He is constant. And all of the work of the Old Testament and the New Testament is to call you into this place of figuring out how to be connected to the Father. We do not get to set the standards for holiness, which is what our culture is doing. So, no, you know, this is this is all right. This is this is this is good. We don't have the right to define what is good. And we don't have the right to call something good that isn't. Here's where it gets a little painful. Wrote this down, but. Sex outside of a biblical marriage is sin. Period. And I'm talking about all the other little gray areas that we live in. Porn is sin. Plain and simple. Why, why am I talking about sex? I think, in my opinion, uh, sex is one of the most uh, per- prevalent, enticing things that's going on in our world. God has called you. And here's, here's the beauty of sex. He created it. He created the pleasure that comes from it. But look, look, look. It was his idea. But he gave us the idea and said, hey, here's how we operate in it. So we don't get to decide what is and what isn't. We don't get to determine what is good and what's not. And some of you are like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm great there. How's your greed? How's your idolatry? What, what things are you lifting up that you're literally giving your life to right now more than you're giving your life to God? It could be your career. It could be your bank account. It could be your sports. It could be your free time activity. Super convicted of this reading. I'm reading a section, uh, a doctrine book on eternity right now. And look, I spent a lot of time thinking <laughs> about eating and working out. And that's not good. Ephesians 5 3, it says. But sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not be even named among you, as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthy or foolish talk, nor crude joking, which is out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. We cannot pursue holiness unless we understand what holiness looks like. Verse 17. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile. Okay? You're like, exile? I'm a U.S. citizen. I'm at home. You're an exile. If you're a child of God... This is not our home. This is not our place. This is, hear me, this is not our country. This is not our kingdom. It's not. 
We're in exile. Does your life look like you care about a call to holiness? He said this was, he said, conduct yourself with fear throughout. I know some of you, when you talk about fear and God, you're like, oh, you know, I don't want to be afraid. And am I hiding from God? I mean, sometimes. This type of fear does not necessarily mean to be afraid of something, which it kind of does, but that's not just the point. Rather, it is a um, reverent awe of God, a reverence of his power and glory. However, it is also a proper respect for his wrath and anger. In other words, the fear of the Lord is a total acknowledgement of all that God is. Proverbs says all the time, you know, the beginning of knowledge is the fear of God. Because it sets everything else. Like if we, if we don't think that he demands holiness, then we'll be like, oh, what does it really matter? If we don't think that he's in control of what happens after this life ends and eternity comes, then what does it matter? But if he is, then it all matters. Verse 18, it says, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with precious things, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Your invitation to salvation was costly. And I think we cheapen it every day. I think if you understood the cost that Jesus made for us, it would radically change our day to day. Listen to this, in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, it says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You didn't put it there, he put it there. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God with your bodies. Our pursuit of holiness is birthed out of a deep appreciation for the price that Christ paid. Verse 20. He was foreknown, talking about Jesus, before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Before the foundation of the world, God has been working on salvation for us. Genesis 3.15. From the beginning, this wasn't like, oh my gosh, God wouldn't like, Adam and Eve, like I had plans and you're messing them up. He knew. And he had a plan even knowing what was going to happen. And that plan, whether you like it or not, is the best thing that ever happened to this world. God didn't fix, I mean, he did fix the world with Jesus, but God didn't fix the problem that happened with Jesus. Jesus was the plan from the beginning. Verse 22, it says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, 
not a perishable seed, but with imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Part of your holiness is seen by how you treat others around you. Mm. It's painful. Especially, especially for the ones that don't deserve it. John thirteen thirty five. It says, by all... By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love, uh, sorry, know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. We're known to be his disciple. That is part of the clue for the world to see of how we love other people. And that happens through the living and abiding word of God. We started out this year. Talking about this idea of Jesus is greater. And we started out this year saying, you'll never know Jesus is greater if you don't know the word. And I don't mean like, I've read it once, I got it. You don't got it. I don't got it. I read. I've read the Bible. I don't know how many times, and that's not a bragging thing, but I need it more and more. Every day, God's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you've read this before, but are you doing it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you've memorized this verse, but it doesn't seem like you've memorized this verse because you're doing things that the verse is telling you not to. Whoo! But we're not going to get there. We're not going to even touch the possibilities of holiness without being in His Word. Because here's what will happen. You'll have an idea of what God is and wants from you. And that might be a good idea. It might be good things. But the longer we're not in his word, we'll confuse our idea of what he desires for me from his. Because what you'll get when you read the word every day is the reality that there's still something missing in you. There's a part of you that you're like, uh, like you'll be like, yeah, conquered, conquered, doing good, doing good. And then you read that verse. You're like, oop, yeah, lost my temper. The other day, you know, fill in the blank of whatever that is. It is what determines how good you're doing. Not you. I think sometimes we pat ourselves on the back for how good we're doing when God's going, you're just getting started, buddy. (laughs) Verse 24. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fails, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And his word is the good news that was preached to you. Okay. Told you I was reading uh, a book in the last chapter I'm in right now, it's talking about eternity. Listen to this. This is one of the verses he used when talking about eternity. Also in Peter, but in Second Peter, uh, chapter 3, verse 11. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved. Okay, let me clarify. All these things, everything you see with your eye, other than the soul of man, is going to be dissolved. It's going to go away. It's not going to be here. Listen to this. What sort of people ought you to be in, in the lives of holiness and godliness? Because if you don't have a view of eternity, you'll think, I don't really need to do this right now. You think, oh, you know, it's no big deal. I'll do it later. But when, when your view is on eternity, it changes 
what you do. Verse 12, it says, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. Listen to this. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Part of our reason why we're not pursuing holiness is because we're living for this world. We're, we're letting our glory be given to something that is going to melt away. And I, I, I'm not trying to ruin your life like, oh, my life has no purpose or meaning. Well, really, outside of Jesus in eternity, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. But with him, everything that you do, every job that you do, every conversation that you have, every activity that you do can be pointing to eternity. And that's what holiness does. The more we set ourselves to being like Jesus, the, the unfinished work that will never end. The more we get to know the beauty of the Savior who loves us. He's calling you to holiness. So what do we do? Here's a couple questions for you. First one is, does your holiness matter to you? And if you're a child of God, the answer, whether you want it to be or not, is yes. And out of that pursuit of holiness is, is going to become the best life you can have. And I don't mean ease. Don't hear me wrong. Don't hear this like pursue holiness, easy life. That's not the equation. Pursue holiness and you'll get to enjoy the things that last forever. In pursuing holiness doesn't mean that you get to enjoy the here and now. Because really, pursuing ho- the absence of pursuing holiness is when we enjoy the here and now. And sometimes most of our life is built around the here and now. So what can you do if your answer is a very reluctant yes? Confess, repent, and pursue. And this is your life. Until you breathe your last or he returns. Confess, repent, pursue. And here's the beauty. He wants this more than you do. And all he's waiting for you to do is start asking for help. He is interested. He's so interested in your holiness that he spent hundreds and thousands of years putting the Bible together so that you can know what that is. So that you won't have to go, oh, I don't know what to do. You can go, oh, God, here's what it is. Let me just tell you. Let me just tell you. This isn't an arrival piece. So confess, repent, pursue. If you just say, hey, God, like, God, you're getting me and I want to pursue holiness. It is a long, hard journey. You have to have a view and a vision for what you get from it. And you get Jesus. You get eternity. 
There's a, a song, I don't even remember the name of it right now. I don't know why I do this, but there's a song I've been listening to on repeat. And in the song, um, the song's talking about when we see Jesus. All you'll think about is, I could have given more. I could have done, and I'm not talking about doing more, but I, I think when we see Jesus, the clarity of all the stuff that's pursuing our attention will be washed away. And we'll be like, more. And, and all, here's my goal as a pastor, is to help you regret less when you see Jesus. Because we're going to all have regrets when we see Jesus. There's no one in this room that Jesus is going to be like, 100% job. Woo, I didn't even have to barely die for you. <laughs> Every one of us are going to have regrets. And part of my goal as a pastor for me and every one of us in this room is that I would help you pursue God, which will help you get to his presence when you stand before him with less regrets. Your best life is born here. I'm going to invite our worship team back up. The biggest thing messing with this is your view of the little sins. I'm not even going to define those. Because we compromise on it all the time. What we listen to, what we watch, what we stream, what we scroll through. And we go, it's not that big a deal. Pursuing holiness is dealing with those little things. Because let me just tell you, in the little things is where we have victory in the big things. We can't go, well, I'm, when I get here, I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to conquer this. You can't conquer that without the little things. And that means every day, checking that list of spending time with God, getting to know Him, and learning to be obedient, which is a difficult thing. You are, we are self-centered, self-focused people. And the only way that we won't be that is every day realizing who we serve. Because the more you understand eternity, the more you understand how pure and holy God is and how he invites you into that, the more you will set yourself of going, I'm yours. Here's another challenge for you. Um, if you're going to get to a place, like let's say today you say, I, I know my holiness is not where it needs to be, and everybody in this room, that's their response. And you want to move forward. Um, it's a lot easier to move forward with people. Like I, I love going back to the 75 hard thing, I have people sitting in this room right now, and you know what's going to keep me going when I don't want to do that second workout, when I'm sick of drinking a gallon of water? Let me just tell you, I was a 20-ouncer a day. I have flushed my kidneys out so well in the last 49 days. And you know what keeps me doing it? Because I have other people. You know what's going to keep you other, like, I'm not discounting the Holy Spirit. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. But the, a good additive to that, and I'm not saying you can add to the Holy Spirit. I'm saying a good complementary thing is having someone else. So there's going to be someone else in this room that's going to be like, yep, I want more holiness in me. And what you do, you just have a conversation. You, you, I, I, me, me and you, yeah, yeah, okay, so what, what are you going to do? 
Oh, here's what I think I'm going to do. Here, here's what I'm going to do. And you, you know what happens when someone asks you something and you're like, okay, somebody asked me something the other day, like, can you, can you hold me accountable to this? And, and I said, you know, the beauty of it is you know that it's coming. You know that the question's coming, and I, I, accountability will not save you or make you holy, but it helps. And so I invite you into that. If you want holiness, as we worship today, then ask God. Confess where you've not been holy. Lay it out. That's what's been going on in my life. Because the closer you get to God, the more you realize how many things you don't have going well. But he's a loving father that's saying, you're doing good. Just keep going. Just keep pressing on. Keep moving forward. Keep trusting me. If you want holiness, which is your best life, then it has to come from him. Let's pray. Lord, I rebuke condemnation that would love to hover over the minds of your children that would love to point out the flaws and the uh, reoccurring sin and whisper in our ears, it's never going to change. Lord, and I declare that the, the power that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of us. Lord, I declare that he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. I declare that we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Lord, I declare that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lord, you want, you want this more than we want it. And all you're waiting for is your children to say, I want it. And so, Lord, I pray that you, you feel this last few minutes of worship with hearts that are bent you. And Lord, I pray that this becomes the fuel to the fire that you want to light in this city. Lord, we don't want to be holy so that we can feel better in front of people. We want to be holy because you called us to be holy. So Lord, forgive us where we have on our own pursued something that wasn't from you. Lord, we want to walk in that path. Lord, we want to learn to know you. We want to learn to hear your voice. And we want to be people who obey. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.